Good afternoon. Uh, this is Andrew Newman with uh, RUF at USF, and, and we are in Kelly Jackson. That's you. Go, go Knowles. Go Bull Knowles. Bull Knowles. Go Bull Knowles. Welcome to the podcast. We are on episode number six, week six, and we're just kind of slowly walking through um, the Apostles' Creed. And uh, actually, Kelly, this is interesting. Uh, I spoke to a student the other day. Um, I forget who it was, but um, shout out to you who I was speaking to. Um, and they were saying that... Uh, they were wondering how, when they listened to one of the first podcasts, I think it was the one that actually started with, so it must have been week two, where we spoke about, you know, I believe in God the Father um, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Just a very short clip. He was saying, he was saying, man, I wonder how they're going to unpack just those few words. Mm. Um, and not to say that we're doing some amazing job, but it is cool to see how much can be packed into just a few words. Totally. And, um, and we're gonna we're gonna segue into uh, the that the section we're going over today with that and that we're going through three. I guess we decided even though I'm an English major, so I should know these things. But um, we we decided that these were past participles. <laughs> um, so let me I'm read. Up. Yeah, please do. We need a we need a final statement on that. Um, all right. So the section of the creed we're on is right after um, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, so speaking about Jesus, who was crucified, dead, and buried. And then we're also going to tag on the next line, he descended into hell. We'll speak about that in a little bit uh, as well. Um, so, as I said, we're, we're going to be talking about these three past participles. Um, uh, and we'll, we'll be speaking about um, each one kind of in line. So. We're going to begin with um, Jesus was crucified. Also, I'll just say, as we think about each one, it's helpful for me, at least just as far as um, it sounds, to say each one, you know, with the past tense verb, was crucified, was dead, was buried. Um, yeah. And so we're going to walk kind of through it in that way. So first, Jesus was crucified. Um, I told Kelly before we got on that I've been going uh, that Knox, my oldest, is learning the kids' catechism or child's catechism, and I think it's it's like, I mean, he's doing really good, and That's I will brag good. on him. He's like question fifty-two, maybe or something. Mm. Um, and so fifty-one, fifty-two, uh, one of the last ones he learned is what kind of death did Jesus die? And the answer is the shameful and painful death of the cross. Mm. And so two passages that speak to in the New Testament one references the Old Testament one is Deuteronomy 21, 23, which says that it's pretty much saying that anyone who is, is hung on a tree is cursed or cursed any, any man who's hung on a tree. Mm -hmm. And Galatians 3.13 is saying that that Jesus took the curse of the law um, upon himself by becoming the curse for us. Mm. Um, and he did that by being hung on a tree, which is in reference yeah. to the cross. Um and we usually speak of the curse in, in a few different ways. 
but in doing that, he also took on our shame. Yep. Um, and that, that references back to the shameful death of the cross, that we were under God's wrath because he had brought upon ourselves, um, sorry, we had brought upon ourselves shame from our sin or dishonor, right? We had dishonored our soul, our body by rebelling against the, the, the person who made us, mm. um, the God who had made us. So Kelly, what, like, just to kind of begin our combo, um, what is the, what, what does it mean by the curse of the law? And how did Jesus become a curse for us? Yeah, I mean, first, just, I mean, it's amazing, like your student was saying, that there is so much packed in, and this is three words. He was crucified, dead, and buried. Uh, but it's almost, almost like a meal where you... Uh, you start to recognize these really complex flavors. There is so much packed in to all of this. Um, and I, if you don't mind, I'll, I'd love to read uh, from Galatians 3, uh, this little section 10 to 14. It says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So in, in so many words, I mean, Paul is calling us to righteous living by faith in Jesus because the reality is what we receive for our works, for our living, is a curse. Uh, and I was just thinking, you know, what would, what would the death that I deserve today look like? A cross was an ancient, uh, it was a Roman torture device, right? Uh, reserved for, you know, the, the criminal of criminals uh, to, to humiliate them and shame them, like you were saying. Um, but, you know, and so I was trying to think like, how, you know, how would that look today? Like, what do I deserve? But the reality is back then, like Jesus took on all that we do deserve, uh, our disobedience to the law, uh, it was leading us down and is leading us down by nature. Uh, this, this life of, you know, I think another catechism answer, sin and misery. Like that's what, uh, Adam and Eve brought upon themselves when they denied God when they exchange the truth of God for a lie. And so, uh, yeah, the law, I mean, in, in many ways, the law condemns us and Jesus takes on the curse, uh, of the law that we deserve, the wrath of God that we deserve. And, uh, the crucifixion is a very real picture, uh, of what Jesus came to do after living a perfect life uh, of righteousness. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing that that has become like the thing that people, I mean, there's one behind me on a wall, uh, but that people wear around their neck and things like that. And it's cool. We'll talk more about Paul boasting in the cross. Uh, but I mean, that's, that is as low as it gets. Uh, yeah. That is where Jesus went in terms of like human action being put on a cross and tortured uh, before that uh, and just completely humiliated. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, uh, I actually, you know, providentially I was reading Romans six this morning mm. and the, this, the first part, at least of Romans six speaks of how we are 
we have died to the law. Mm. And Paul uses the illustration of a husband and wife. Um, as the, in the law of marriage, they are bound to each other. Mm-hmm. But if one person dies, mm. the husband dies, right? The wife is free to marry someone else. But if she's if she and so she gets married to someone else while they're still married, she com- she's committing adultery. Mm. But if but if the husband dies and she remarries, then it's it's lawful. And so he's kind of saying that um, I believe um, that when we through Christ have died to the law, we are free in some senses to marry another, and that is we are free to live for God. So before we were uh, we were the the law was a curse because it would only bring us misery, mm-hmm. it would only bring us harm because of sin. We can never, even though we are bound to it, we can never fulfill it. Mm-hmm. With death, we've been freed from it mm. for God. Yeah, and Paul in Romans, remember Paul talks about how like the more law we learn, the more condemned by it we are. You know, like as we learn God's law, the more it crushes us. Yeah. Uh, and so, and it's interesting how I think with Jesus, when when Galatians speaks of Jesus becoming a curse for us, mm-hmm. um, he's receiving all of the he's receiving the wrath that we deserved. Yep. For the breaking of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you mentioned, you kind of were talking about it earlier, but I wanted to talk a little bit about how, how, they, how the crucifixion was shameful. Because um, I, I think you're, you, you know, you're even thinking like what it would be the, what would be the modern day equivalent. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think at least in the West, we don't have a modern day equivalent because, um, I think we've kind of sectioned off death in many ways. And even mm-hmm. criminals who die by the death penalty mm-hmm. is, is very much a private thing, mm-hmm. you know, whereas mm-hmm. the crucifixion yeah. was a, a public, totally, you know, like outside. And it was outside. It was, it was beside, I believe a Roman road. So many mm-hmm. people saw it and there'd be, that even there were even these, um, you know, uh, kind of tags, like why this person was dying or who mm-hmm. this person was. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, a mutual thing of like final statement on them of judgment um, along with mm-hmm. the final statement of death. Yeah. And, um, and so it's shameful because it was, instead of dying in honor, you, you died in shame. You died yeah, with wow. this, with your name being uh, smeared, you know? Mm. Um, and, and even, uh, you know, the, um, I'm going to, I don't even want to try to get it wrong, but the, the, tag for jesus was this is the king of the jews right mm-hmm. um in a mocking way that was put yep. over him um but in, in uh, irony it was it's true right the king yeah. died the king was put to death yeah um and that i mean the language of second corinthians five twenty one for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god and that that song uh, that Townend and the Gettys have made famous, uh, Oh, to see the dawn or the power of the cross. Uh, this, the power of the cross, Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath. We stand forgiven at the cross. I mean, it's just such strong language that he took on our shame. He bore our sin. He became sin for us. And that's in the Bible. It's yeah. like, wow. And he was sinless. Yeah. But, but became sin for us. So God 
treated him on the cross in the way that we deserved. Mm-hmm. And it's this great, you know, I, I love in sermons, I'm mean, preaching and reading that I do any illustration about substitution is this yes, like kind of gets to this like universal truth that we crave because we know we need a savior yep. who would come to save us, not from, you know, just getting us out of harm's way, but actually substituting himself, um, uh, taking on what we deserved. Um, mm, okay. Last good. thing, the last question I kind of had, and this is, this is more of a, I mean, we're just going to briefly touch on it, but um, I want to talk a little bit, a little bit about shame, mm-hmm. um, which I think is tied to the curse. Mm. Um, you know, there, if you go along the thought of like, there, we, we're bound to the law, before, outside of Christ, we're bound to the law, that we are in some senses married to the law and um, bound to it in the sense that we have to fulfill it in order to bring us honor or to honor mm-hmm. God even. But the curse is that we can't do that. And so the shame comes with it and that we are, we are dishonorable because of that and can't make ourselves honorable. I think mm-hmm. you know, part of that. But I've heard of this, I've heard this description but, or this um, to d- distinguish between guilt and shame. Yeah. Um, and guilt is, and the line I've heard is that guilt is something that we've done wrong. We know that we are, we know that we're guilty if we've, committed a trespass or a sin right we're guilty because we've done it shame speaks to um our being wrong Mm. like there's something wrong about us Mm -hmm. and i think we all we all feel and experience shame um and i guess i don't know if you had anything to add to that i just thought that was interesting because when we you know second corinthians 5 21 speaks about how he became sin for us. Oh man! I think speaks about taking the shame away from us. Like we I, we experience the existential yeah. feeling of shame, but yeah. but there's nothing to be ashamed of now. Yeah, I'm. This might be a, a strange connection to make, but Adam and Eve, uh, you know, at the end of I think Genesis two, it is it says that they were naked and unashamed. Right? Mm-hmm. They were naked. They were unclothed. They were unashamed. Well, after they sin. Well, you know, what's the first thing that they do? They cover themselves with a fig leaf uh, from each other, I think, misusing that created thing. And then they hide behind a tree from God. And so I think in many ways they are feeling naked and ashamed. Well, man, what does Jesus do? He is unclothed. You know, he's hanging there up with the cloth on. Um, like he is made, he is made naked and our shame is put on a man who has no shame. Uh, because yeah. he's he's perfect, and uh, well, I don't he, know, and, just and, the exchange there is is beautiful. And Jesus, Jesus, I mean, I think he was naked on the cross. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I think when we see, like, if you see a kind of picture of Jesus, and he's just wearing like a loincloth or something. Yeah, but I think part of the shame of the cross was people were hung naked. Yeah, it's just utter humility, mm-hmm. um, utter shame. Which and, uh, has to point back, right? To yeah, Adam and yeah. Nakedness and shame after the fall. Yeah, definitely. Like he became, he took on the the nakedness and shame um, that we run from. You know. Yeah. Which I think some speaks to just his humanity too. Like we talked about yeah. in a previous episode, the fact that he uh, emptied himself or lessened himself by taking on our humanity, 
you know, embracing or taking on our nakedness, uh, even as, as he became a human. Um, yeah. That's powerful stuff. Well, let's move on because we've yeah. got, just trying to stay with Tom. We so, can go all day, baby. I know. We're going to on just the edit. crucified part. We're, we're going to have to edit, edit this one up and it'll be like, and I, so it'll be very choppy. Great. It'll be great. Um, so the second thing is that he was dead. Um, once again, this is past tense, right? So we love it. it. It's a it's a negative confession in some senses that we're speaking of his death, but in the positive, because it's past tense, we're also speaking about that he is now alive um, mm-hmm. and has been and have been raised from the dead. Um, but we ta- here I tagged on a little bit in my notes about him being descended into hell. Um, very, it's a, it's it's kind of a confusing thing, and I, and thankfully we don't believe the Apostles' Creed is inerrant, so we can kind of. Uh, maybe disagree or see some of the hard stuff about this saying and not fully have to be on board with all of it. But um, some believe it was, it was tagged on to the Apostles' Creed maybe three, four, three, four hundred years later. Um, but as best I can understand, it looks to be a reference to Hades, which is the Greek term for um, the afterlife um, or the Greek term for the reference to the state of um, being disembodied, right, where your soul would go um, after death. Um, um, and this is different from the Hebrew term Gehenna or Sheol, um, which is, those are references to the afterlife in a different sense, to internal judgment. Um, and Sheol, I actually don't, I don't know a ton about, I don't know if you do, Kelly. Um, I can't remember. But I think that Sheol is different from Gehenna as well. But Gehenna is more of a reference to um, eternal judgment. Um, that we usually think of in 21st century as hell. Um, but what, so anyways, when we speak of Jesus descending into hell or into Hades, um, and it being this place of uh, dis, the disembodied soul, um, the reason why we speak of a descent is because this existence of disembodied, uh, disembodied soul is lower, and this is from J.I. Packer's book that I'm reading, um, he says that it was lower in worth and dignity than earth where our body and souls are whole. But the good news is um, this, that Jesus's presence there makes it paradise. And so we all, before Jesus' second coming, unless he comes this afternoon, we are, you know, before we die, we are going to go through death. And we will be in this intermediary state of being where our soul will be separate from our body until his second coming and the, the resurrection. Um, so anyways, just a quick kind of blurb about that. But mm, the cool, cool thing is that be, the, because Jesus went there, we can look forward to that, that time with uh, hope and with excitement. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's how Jesus can say to the thief on the cross beside him, today you will be with me in paradise. Mm. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, Jesus didn't raise for another, I don't know, Two uh, two days after, um, mm. he could say that today um, cool. he will be with me in paradise. Um, okay, what what would you say is the importance of Jesus's death, dude? I'm gonna get practical real quick, and I just think of like the time the times that I've been afraid growing up, or the times that my kids Nora or Johnny, uh, Annalise is still a baby, but when they're afraid, just me being with them brings them comfort. And just hearing you talk about the fact that Jesus has already died. It's like, he's been through that. And, and because I have union with Christ, 
I can go through that knowing that he'll be with me the entire way. Man, that brings me comfort and hope. Yeah. I don't have to be afraid of death because Jesus did it. Like he, he, he paved the way in a sense, uh, in a way that God never had before. That, I mean, God wrote himself into the story. He, he fulfilled all righteousness for us with his life. And then he took the death, you know, he, he lived, lived to the point of death and giving up his spirit, uh, like John 19 records, um, which let me just read John 19, which is a great, if you're looking for a chapter on the crucifixion, John 19 is a great one to read. John 19, 28 says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, parentheses, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, or the, the, the word to tell us die. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Like Jesus entered the doorway of death and I can follow him through it uh, without mm-hmm. fear. So yeah. that's, that's anyway. a big one that I'm just like, man, that's so practical. I don't I have to live in fear of yeah. death, especially yeah. in, in a COVID uh, time where there's a lot of fear. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, Jesus is, Jesus speaks of himself as the good shepherd mm-hmm. um, and that he's like, he's the one leading us into yes. uh into the face of and defeating our enemies. Um, And can I speak to that passage real quick? I did a Bible study on that this summer. And Jesus says, I'm not a hired hand and I'm not a thief. A thief is trying to steal the sheep. A hired Mm -hmm. hand is clocking out at the end of the day. Neither one of them care about the sheep, but the shepherd, the good shepherd, like he is going to find, uh, I mean, Jesus says, I'm going to go find other sheep that aren't a part of this fold yet. Like you and me. Um, But he's like, I lay my, I lay my life down. It's not even a, I would do that. He's like, I'm going to, and this is him doing it. I've done it. Yeah. 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 And the, and the other cool thing is that because of Jesus dying and his resurrection, um, he's hollowed out the power of death. So mm, that's good. Um, we still die, but it doesn't have, you know, there's that the line in the hymn, death has lost its thing mm-hmm. um and i forget what hymn that's from but it speaks about how um how the death no longer has the final word over us and so the power of death used to be that it, of it used to be its finality but now we know because of the resurrection we too in christ will be raised from the dead mm-hmm. um and it doesn't have the final say okay for time, time's sake let's keep moving so on Kelly. This is good uh, last thing is that jesus was buried um mm-hmm. So I think I think the the main point here of of burial, um, you know, rather than being redundant, I think the reason why it's stated is because it speaks of the confirmation of death. Yep. So when someone is buried, um, you know, while we have a burial service, um, if that's how people you know choose to what to do with the remains, um, it's like that's the end of their life. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this confirmation statement. It helps us, I think also loved ones that I think helps us to grieve. Um, totally. You know, closure seeing the, yeah. That. Closure, seeing the finality <laughs> of it. But I think for the sake of, of thinking about um, Jesus's death and resurrection, it's like, this is, this was a real death. You know, yeah. this was not, this is not a mirage. This was not a figurative death. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, I think it shows us too, that it was, to be the resurrection from death 
was to be resurrection from a genuine death. Um, you want to speak to anything else about the, what, what was the need for confirmation of death? Mm. Yeah. I mean, in, in many ways it was kind of the, the conclusion to this whole thing that like, you know, it wasn't just that Jesus suffered, uh, or that he was died, but, or that he, he, uh, did die, but yeah, buried, like it's, it's so final, you know, like yeah. it's, um, yeah. And I, I love that Nicodemus from chapter three shows up here and treats him basically as, as a King, like he's, he's ashamed in his, in his crucifixion. Uh, but then in his burial, they take the body of Jesus bounded in linen with spices as is the burial custom of the Jews. Um, and they lay him in this new tomb that, that nobody had ever been laid, laid in before. And, and Nicodemus is basically acknowledging like he is who he claimed to be. Uh, so it, it gives me hope about that one man, but even, even, you know, reading the end of chapter 19, it's like, boom, he's in a tomb, it's sealed. And it is, it just feels so final, uh, yeah. which makes his resurrection, which we'll get to later, even more amazing and awesome. Yeah. Um, and to kind of end on this, uh, why, why is it important to remember these three things in order? Like, what, what's the what's the import for us to see the progression of mm-hmm. crucifixion, death, and burial? Yeah, I mean, we could zoom out from this even and just see like the whole life that he lived. But what yep. we can't just pick one thing. Uh, I think it's important to see that he has satisfied every single one of these things, you know, step by step, day by day from being born to living. And we don't have so much of his life. Uh, we have what God has chosen to give us. And it is definitely enough uh, for us to know the gospel, be converted. Uh, and God speaks through his word. But uh, yeah, I just think, especially zooming back in to the end of his life. Uh, I don't know these, these steps of uh, dealing with our shame, uh, conquering death, um, being buried. I mean, there, there are realities for us, uh, that we need to learn from. Like I need my, I need my shame spoken, spoken into and dealt with, uh, death is something that the fall brought into this world. Uh, and I, you know, I, I have to be reconciled or I have to be, I have to face it. Um, and yeah, I mean, burial too is something that you and I will likely experience. Uh, but the Bible speaks even of that. Like, I mean, we will, it says that those who are buried or those who are asleep will, will, will come out of the grave. Uh, so yeah, I just, it all matters basically. And it even yeah. matters that, like you said, the, the order of it happening. Um, yeah, I, you? I mean, yeah, I would say, um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I like to quote the Bible and not know where it comes from or if it's in the Bible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I, I think of the, the, this passage where Jesus sets his face on Jerusalem mm-hmm. um, or turned his, you know, Jesus did his ministry all over Israel, around the uh, around Galilee, um, down to Judea and Jerusalem. Um, but, he, but he kind of finally sets his face on Jerusalem and knowing where, knowing kind of the the end of his life, knowing where he was going or his mission. And to me, this three, these three uh, 
kind of steps down. Like I imagine him like stepping down into a grave mm. and that that's like the darkest place of where his mission took him. Mm-hmm. And then, and then from there he knew it had been accomplished. Um, and so I, I think of Luke his, nine, by the way, it says when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and then it repeats it. And the people did not receive him verse 53 because his face was set towards Jerusalem. So Luke nine. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, he's going to the, the he's going to the Holy city to go mm-hmm. to the heart, you know, um, of Israel as a people to redeem them. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's just this progression down into the depths mm-hmm. um, of his, of a rescue mission, right. To mm-hmm. rescue his people from the grave. Um, so it's just kind of this amazing picture to me of it Jesus is. accomplishing his mission into, into death itself. Um, darkness and death. Baby. Yeah. So that was good. I, I, I love talking about this stuff. Thank you, Kelly. Thank y'all for listening. Thank you. I hope y'all have a good, um, week and weekend mm-hmm. and enjoy this we will weather. see y'all yeah enjoy this fall weather for florida at least <laughs> tallahassee like y'all. degree it's 12 degrees colder up here y'all in tallahassee than down in that's a howley now that's a place got you the really want to go up here uh, yeah it's just like molasses <laughs> <Mom. laughs> all right guys we have a good time have a good time see y'all